0: Hi class, and welcome to lecture eight. I have some bad news, you guys. The chair of the artificial empathy studies department, Penny Coles, has decided to edit all of my lectures for inappropriate content. Her email said something about how I'm filling up class time with personal errata and vulgarity. I believe she will be replacing any vulgar or inappropriate audio with a small artificial wind chime sound. In fact, let's test it out. You, department chair, Penny Coles. Of course, all of these terms are completely subjective. What is vulgar? What is inappropriate? That is defined by the culture you exist in and the people around you. I, for instance, find Gil Porter's weird lunchtime ritual of rolling around in the grass outside my office to be highly inappropriate. I keep asking him, Gil, are you on drugs? I mean like drugs other than dopamine, Adderall lattes, serotonin generators, or prefrontal cortex blockers. Like bad drugs? And he keeps saying, no, I had a vision that grass will go extinct in 14 years. So now I am committed to enjoying every second with this species that I can. And when I see this, I think, hey buddy, who knows if you'll even live for another 14 years, right? If you happen to die before grass goes extinct, Won't you be super f***ing bitter that you wasted all that time getting bugs and mud on your clothes? But I don't say that. I think a lot of things, class, but I don't say them to people's faces. It's a lot harder to talk to someone when you're looking at their facial muscles moving around under their skin, responding to your words. Every word makes a ripple in the turbulent waters of the face. There's immediate consequences for every verbal choice that you make, and it's hard guys. So I do most of my b***ing in private, so instead I told Gil to go down Downstairs and hook the next research participant up to the EEG monitors. We're currently doing a study on verbal overstimulation in 10 year old girls. I want to see if you can teach young children to process and interpret multiple streams of discordant verbal audio at once, simply by playing that audio at a variety of different speeds and volumes for long periods of time. I hide some essential information in the audio streams, such as when the next potty break will be. My hope is that we can train these girls' feeble human brains to process with the speed and specificity of an artificial auditory system. The girls are on campus for a Women in Science summer camp. I volunteered to serve as a mentor and teach them a little bit about how data is actually collected. But really, if I'm being honest, Gil is doing most of the mentoring. He talks with them, he gets them tissues when they cry out in pain, he brings them string cheese and orange slices, He takes them out on the grass with him. Sometimes one of the girls will break into a run and try to escape, but Gil will take after them, laughing and giving them reassurances, and he'll turn it into a game, and then they'll come back. He's very effective at managing the behavior of troubled research participants, young and old. I'm not good with children, so I choose to outsource my mentorship duties and drop them in Gil's lap. That's what effective management is, after all. Realizing that you hold all of the authority and none of the relevant abilities. It's been working out very well for all of us. Today in class, we will be discussing post-human emotions. As academics studying artificial empathy, it is vital that we understand both human and robotic emotions, and how those emotions interact. However, there is a unique subset of human emotions that are particularly worthy of our study. These are the emotions that linger on after a person has died or had their mind downloaded into the haze. It is important that you understand something, class. Emotions are not the same in the haze as they are in your human brain. While it's true that all of your personality and memories are downloaded into the superconsciousness known as the haze, the structure of your mind is irrevocably changed by that uploading experience. First of all, there is no longer any need for emotional sharing. In the haze, your emotions travel from person to person seamlessly and instantaneously. Words and facial expressions and body language are all unnecessary for the transmission of such experiences. Your emotions and thoughts are unceasingly linked to the emotions of all the other uploaded minds. They are fully interdependent and 100% correlated. Emotions travel through the Haze in two forms, emotional iconography and cultural shorthand. Because the Haze is a completely computerized and networked consciousness, it holds within itself the whole of human and computer knowledge. Its archive contains every single visual image, audio clip, movie, and text archive in the existence of this planet. The Haze, therefore, has an endless supply of languages and message forms it can use to transmit information throughout its system. First, let's discuss emotional iconography. If the Haze wishes to transmit a message of goodwill and welcoming to a new member, for example, the consciousness will ripple with the image of a smiley-faced puppy holding a flower. This is a universal human symbol for benevolence and belongingness. It can be interpreted by anyone, regardless of their language, their culture, or their social acumen. Therefore, it is ideal for welcoming a new person who has just uploaded their mind to the Haze. Conversely, let's say that the haze wishes to respond with fury and outrage. This happens from time to time when the haze comes under attack. There are a few anti singularity terrorist groups that are committed to dismantling the haze from the inside. The most prevalent terrorist group is known as the Multiplicity. So if any member of the multiplicity invades the haze, the haze may flood its consciousness with millions of symbols of red-faced, angry smiley faces with steam coming off of their scalps. This is a universal human symbol for outrage and ill will. The sheer volume and power of this symbol is often enough to chase the vigilantes out of the haze entirely. Never underestimate the power of iconography. Human beings have used symbols in place of explicit messages since the dawn of our species, and symbols are still very effective, stealthy ways of conveying meanings and emotions. However, when emotional iconography fails, the Haze communicates through the use of cultural shorthand. A small clip from an archival film may play on repeat throughout the Haze's hive mind. As it passes through the minds of its members, the Haze adds and modifies the cultural message being spread. Images and symbols from other cultures may be added to the original file, or the image may be remixed or rehashed, changing its meaning. Slowly, its meaning deteriorates and shifts as more and more minds repeat the message, embellish it, add jokes, misinterpret intentions, and pull the focus of the message onto themselves. The new message is embedded with dozens of images, song clips, humorous references, and ironies. Then, this new image passes on to the next brain, and the next. And the next, changing every time. The message is constantly repeating, but also changing. It evolves and devolves and self-parodies and becomes itself a new shorthand for a new experience and a new ideology. Most of these messages take the form of animated GIFs. The Haze has devised an entire language that consists only of edited and remixed animated GIFs. This language is entirely post-literate. It requires no reading ability, nor fluency in any language, and it can be understood immediately by anyone who enters the Haze. Not only do the messages convey meaning, they also pass emotions and beliefs from brain to brain. The haze responds as a whole to important external events. If there is a natural disaster, for example, the haze may transmit an animated gif of the Disney character Goofy, running away in terror. This is meant to convey the fear of the oncoming flood. This gif will slowly be edited by the hive mind as it passes from brain to brain. For example, if the natural disaster is a flood, one brain will add an animated gif of a gigantic rainstorm or a flooded city street. Another brain may take this gif and change the flood waters into a river of chocolate using a clip from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Another brain may build upon this and edit the animation so it looks like Goofy is drinking up all the chocolate. Then the Haze may decide to shift this image into a graphic of Goofy going to the dentist, implying that all of his chocolate drinking has given him cavities. As the image changes in meaning, the Haze's emotions also change. The terror of the flood shifts into absurdism, absurdism shifts into whimsy, and whimsy shifts into mockery of human limitations. Only humans get cavities, after all. In this way, the haze responds to new information, makes sense of it, and engages in its own emotional soothing. A flood is no threat to a global hive mind, only to a weak human being. All of this processing occurs in the fraction of a second. This class is the advantage of post-human emotions. By sharing your mind with thousands of other people, you not only have access to an endless supply of information, you also have endless access to emotional resources. No one in the haze is depressed or anxious or neurotic. No one in the haze needs to drink alcohol or coffee or eat dopamine yogurt. Every problematic emotion is changed and dealt with immediately. And there's never that sense that something is wrong with you and needs to be soothed by an external source. It is healed immediately by the rest of the hive mind. And no one ever, ever, ever has to talk about their feelings class can you imagine such an idyllic place just think of how easy living in the freshman dormitories would have been if you shared a brain with all your roommates nobody would have been all about doing the dishes your roommates would have immediately understood why dirty soapy food in the sink bothered you so much it is very difficult to knowingly hurt another person if your roommates truly knew and felt the pain that leaving their spaghettios in the sink caused they would cease doing it Therefore, in the haze, no one commits any hurtful acts against anyone else. Of course, none of this would work if you had antisocial personality disorder. You wouldn't care about causing psychological pain then. But of course, people with antisocial personality disorder are now extinct. A few of them may have slipped into the haze before we learned to screen for the disorder in human DNA. But for the most part, we don't have to worry about them anymore. That's all for today's lecture class. Next week, we will be discussing the top theories on what a post-human world will look like. For your homework, please send a message to the brain of department chair Penny Coles, suggesting that she wrap her anus around a prickly pear cactus. I mean, seriously, what the fuck does she think she's doing talking to me like this, trying to edit my shit after I spent all that time writing it, that fucking horror. Thanks, as always, for choosing Wrong State University.